When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back, as always, with Paul Zeiss of the Post-Gazette for our weekly Zeiss is Right video. Uh, talking a bunch of, of topics today here on the uh, Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. Hope you're sitting down. Hopefully you got some, uh, some good food in the oven and you're going to be enjoying a feast later. For now, we've got a little bit of sports talk to entertain you and Paul. Um, how are you going into this this uh, this holiday? I'm good. Uh, it's going to be a, 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 a very busy holiday in terms of all the stuff I have to do for work uh, at the fan at KDK and at the Post Gazette. But but nevertheless, it'll be uh, it'll be fun. And of course, Thanksgiving is my favorite. So uh, I'm sure at some point I'll be able to eat a really good meal. We are going to get into Steelers' offensive coordinator talk. Um, Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette named five intriguing candidates. I want to get Paul's reaction to those. Um, first, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode and every episode of um, the Paul Zeiss Show here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget, give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Paul, I'm just going to get into that list I mentioned here at the top. Um, you know, Ray's pretty plugged in. He's got a pretty good idea of who could be in the mix, who should be in the mix. So I'm just going to throw the first name at the list on you. Byron Leftwich, formerly of Tampa Bay. Um <laughs> He has lots of ties to the Steelers as, as Big Ben's former backup here. Um, what do you think of his candidacy? I think we've talked a lot about him last year going into last offseason, thinking that Matt Canada might be fired. Now that Matt Canada has been fired, is he someone that you're interested in, knowing that you know he's still out there and, and he's kind of been twisting in the wind for a little while now, which is often not a great sign in my opinion? Well, I mean, I guess he had some opportunities with Jacksonville, but he wanted probably a little bit more control than they were willing to give him. And um, I think he says, you know, he's been a little selective when it comes to where he wants to go based on the quarterback and things of the such. So uh, there's there's probably more going on as to why he hasn't gotten a job yet. Um, you know, I, I was not as bullish on him as some until I read, I think it was Andrew Filipponi of all people who wrote a, you know, who wrote the, you know, a tw a tweeted that, you know, when he, he, he was the Tampa 
offensive coordinator the one year where they they uh, averaged 28 points a game or something, and that was the year when they had Jameis Winston and not Tom Brady. So, um, you know, to me, he's not just a product of Tom Brady. He obviously is very familiar with the with the with the uh, the Steelers and how they do business. Obviously, very familiar with uh, with Mike Tomlin. I think he's a guy that probably would be a good mentor for Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to like about that, and I think it's a it's a natural fit. The flip side is if they do that, Adam, it'll just sort of be like, well, gee, they had an, a long national search, and they came up with a guy who happened to play for them, and and you know, whatever. Um, so. Um, and we do love our back to the future hires here in this city. So I, I would say I'm okay with it, but um, I need to hear who else is on the list before I tell you who I like the most. Yeah. it's You and I have talked about the parochialism that seems running to run rampant in the Steelers right now with all the pit, people who have Pittsburgh ties, Penn state ties, Pennsylvania ties, all that kind of stuff. Um, Byron left, which is kind of in a weird category of he is a young assistant, right? I mean, he's, he, he wasn't, wasn't that long ago that he was playing um, and he's had some success in the league. So he should be a, a fairly hot commodity, but yeah, I agree with you that there's just that part of you that says, can they get someone who has a different idea who's not been exposed and, and maybe can come in here and shake things up. I think that would be my big knock on Byron left, which um, the next one that Ray lists is Ken Dorsey recently fired by the Buffalo bills. Um, look, I mean, the results the results from a Steelers perspective have been there for him in Buffalo. His his offenses have put up some points, but they, they weren't quite up to, to Buffalo standards this year, so he gets fired. Um, is he a retread that you are interested in who, who maybe could take some of the lessons he learned up there and make this offense better, even if he wasn't the right guy for the Bills right now? I would say the biggest thing with the Bills has been the regression of Josh Allen. And I would say more than anything else, your offensive coordinator has to be held accountable for the regression or the progression of your quarterback. Is that not a fair statement? I agree. So it's a very nice way of me saying, I'm not sure why we would be all that excited about Ken Dorsey. When you look at really, they went they you know, people, people say that Brian DeBall, who was uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, offensive genius really misses Josh Allen because you know now he's had Daniel Jones and uh, what's my Tyrod Taylor and who, my man who was who was my man that played the other day uh, that threw a couple of touchdown passes so now everyone's all giddy about it. Um, but I would say the other way around. I mean, if you look at Josh Allen without the ball, it, it hasn't been good. So. You know, I think Ken Dorsey probably knows offense and he probably has a pretty good idea of play calling and things of the such, but your number one priority is to make sure that you, you if you're handed a star quarterback, that you help, you know, his pro, pro, you know progress and not the other way around. So long story short, I just don't have that much interest in Ken Dorsey. I think you, he could be an upgrade on Matt Canada, but I agree with you. I think you could probably do better um, with, with, with what's out there on the market. Um, Daryl Bevel of Miami was the next name that was on the list. He is working under Mike McDaniel down there with the Dolphins right now who are having a ton of success, a pretty hot 
um, franchise right now. He also comes with, you know, a lot of, of experience. He's, he's had coordinator positions in the past. Um, so he's an experienced play caller to go with, to go with his, you know, experience with this exciting team. Now, um, is he a name that, that would be on the radar for you? Is he, what, what is he, their quarterbacks coach down there? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the one thing that we saw with, uh, the Texans, for instance, is you bring somebody out of that system, right? And I'm assuming Mike McDaniel runs a lot of that same system. You bring somebody out of that system, there's a lot of good things that they can do. And you'd say C.J. Stroud is probably a lock to win the rookie of the year. I mean, a big part of that is the offense that he's running and the offense he's playing and the development and all that other stuff. Um, so to me, it, it, it's the kind of guy you want with Kenny Pickett. I mean, let's face it, firing Matt Canada. Unless the Steelers go like one and six and 0 oh and seven, and Kenny Pickett is horrific the, last, the rest of the way, Kenny Pickett's going to be the quarterback next year. Regardless of you want to believe it or you like it or you want to kick and scream and be upset, he's going to be the quarterback unless the, the, the floor completely falls out from underneath him. So you need somebody that you're going to bring in that A, is going to put together a system that's quarterback friendly. Right. And B, I think the other part of it that's important is not just quarterback friendly, but also somebody that's going to help develop Kenny Pickett. He needs to have, you know, and here's the thing. It can't just be Canada. I know it doesn't seem fair. But the whole offensive staff has to go. Now, one caveat is if they turn it around and become some magical, you know, uh, uh, offense over the next seven weeks. So then I guess, you know, that goes out the window. But Mike Sullivan, you know what? I, I blame him as much as I blame Matt Canada because Mike Sullivan was in charge of, you know, developing the quarterback. Um, the running backs coach, uh, whose name escapes me, but he's now the offensive coordinator. Faulkner, uh, Faulkner. Uh, uh, I Eddie look Faulkner. at what's his name? Eddie Faulkner. Eddie Faulkner. That's right. I mean, I guess he's done an okay job with Jalen Warren, but, you know, is Najee Harris as good as he should be? The offensive line coach, regardless, has to go. As I don't think he's been very good at all. And that's a position they need to go spend money on and go get a guy who's a really good offensive line coach. Um, this this thing where they're just going to keep promoting the assistant is silly. Um, so I, I think the whole offensive staff has to change, and it would change if you went and got a guy uh, like Bevel, who is completely from a different system altogether, right? Who would come in, and I think he would he would be very good at developing the quarterback. See, that's a name that actually would intrigue me. Yeah, I think I think he's a, a, the total package for me in terms of he has the experience from before, and then he's also applying it with with the new and innovative concepts that are being used to great effect today. Um, I think that's that's a pretty potent package compared to the next name on my list, which is. Zach Robinson, who's the um, passing game coordinator for um, the the LA Rams under Sean McVay, the that's a, been a very popular coaching tree around the NFL, as, as Ray pointed out in his piece. Uh, I'm going to include the link to that down in the description. He, um, you know, it's it spawned Lafleur, it spawned uh, Kyle Shanahan, all of those guys. Um, would you like to see Zach Robinson be the next guy to get a shot in the NFL? I don't know much about him, but I would say this. That would actually interest me, right? That would be interesting, intriguing, just like, you know, uh, Bevel. I think that would be very interesting. 
because you know that's what you're trying to do is bring somebody you know you don't just want to bring somebody from a system because there's bad coaches and good systems but you want to bring somebody that seems like he's a very competent coach that's going to bring that style and that system and you know has been mentored by uh by Sean McVay who is a really good play caller and who is really good at you know developing offenses that make sense I think that's a I would be a good move. I would be okay with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's an interesting name. I think it's it's you know some Steelers fans might not like it because there's not a lot of experience, but we've seen teams I mean, you know that have had a lot of success go that direction and say we want a piece of this coaching tree when we want a piece of of whatever's going on in that in those LA Rams offices. Um, and and you know a lot of people have had success doing that, so it would not surprise me if the the Steelers looked that way. I I just wonder. You know, Mike Tomlin has tended not to make those types of hires, Paul. That's why I'd look at someone like Daryl Bevel with a little bit more experience as, as someone who Mike Tomlin might be more interested in. But we'll see. Uh, the last name on this list is Jim Caldwell. Um, he would be, I think, the definition of a retread offensive coordinator. But he's, you know, had a lot of success in the NFL. You don't make it to – Ray points out in the piece he's going to be uh, 69 years old next year. Um, you don't make it that long in the NFL unless you know some things. What's your level of interest in Jim Caldwell? Um, I mean, what's amazing is, wasn't there a different time and place that he actually was at Penn State for a little bit? It wasn't. Yeah, it? There's, there's, there's Penn State somewhere on that on that resume. I mean, there's a guy who's been coaching football for every bit of fifth foot of forty years. You're right. If experience counts for anything, I guess I actually wouldn't hate that. I think honestly, there are a lot of people that think he should get a head coaching job. I would probably hate that, but I think as an offensive coordinator, I wouldn't really, you know, one hundred percent hate it. I think he's obviously been a pretty good coach. Um, I think he's a he's a he's a good offensive coach. I think he I think he would be somebody that you would you know that you could look at and say, yeah, he he actually is pretty good. Um, and you know, he's got some experience. He coached you know Peyton Manning and company down in Indianapolis. Uh, that one wouldn't really, I wouldn't really hate that one. I mean, if I had to rank them, I would probably say the Bevel or, or Robinson are the two that would intrigue me the most followed by left, right. Um, and then followed by, um, Jim Caldwell and we're missing one or we, Ken, we're not or, Ken Dorsey was the one you were not, you and were not Ken Dorsey would be, yeah, I, I have no interest in that. Um, what, what is the guy? Remember there, the guy that was coaching the chargers. Anthony Lynn, what is he doing nowadays? I am not sure. I have not heard much from him in, in some time. I'm thinking he would be a he could listen. The reason that I think he would be a really good first is, is he is he's a good offensive mind, but I think the other part of it is he's a, a, allegedly a guru of the running game. So even though, yeah, you know, you want to build a passing game, uh, if he could build the running game, I mean, if you if you look at his team's play. When he was in San, was he, when he oh, well, they were still in San Diego, I think at the time. I mean, it's not like he's got a Stone Age passing game, but my point is, he's you know he was always known as sort of a guru of the running game. I think he would be a good choice too. Yeah, that's a, an interesting name. Were there any others on on your list, Paul, of people that that intrigue you a little bit? Uh, no, but I, I I had fun with it, Adam, on Twitter. You know, we were talking about the the provincialism, right? The uh, the regionalism and the we always have to have back to the future hires. 
So I put together my list of who the Yingers want, right? Of course, at the top of that list, Ben Roethlisberger, followed by Heinz Ward, followed by uh, 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 who was the other guy? Another former player that's out there coaching. Uh, I forget who it is. Um, oh, uh, Antonio Brown, followed by people like Dave Wanstad and uh, people like uh, uh, Ken Wisenhunt and Bruce Arians and Todd Haley. Guys, we you know. I've already heard people talk about bringing Whipple back because he coached. Uh, you know, he coached. Uh, um, he coached uh, 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 Kenny, Pickett. Kenny Kenny Pickett. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the list that you're going to get from Yenzers. Is that you know everybody that has some ties to Pittsburgh, and then of course people started chiming in. Kevin Gilbride, you know, because he used to be the the offensive coordinator way back. That guy Tom Moore. He was like 95 years old. That was a coordinator under, I think he was under Chuck. No, he was the coordinator. And he's actually an offensive consultant with somebody like the, the Tampa. Uh, you know, those are the names that people like to throw around. You know, of course, then I had to add in Bill Chirpak and Frank Signetti and, you know, all these other people. But my point is, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's somebody that has no ties here. If it's somebody like we're talking about, the guy from Miami or the guy from uh, the Rams, I'd be okay with it. Here's the other thing. I don't even know who he is. Who's the quarterback coach for the 49ers right now? I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm just saying, you know, if, if, if he's considered a really bright, young, up-and-coming, energetic guy, why not? Well, and you're getting, you would be getting a piece of, you know, under Kyle Shanahan. That's, that's, that's still on technically the, it's a lower branch, but it's on the, the Sean McVay coaching tree. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could be intrigued by that. Um, Paul had a lot of other Steelers topics, but we got to get into some college football. I just want to ask, you know, generally, who, who other than Kenny Pickett, who I think we all agree needs to be under the microscope now that you've moved on from Matt Canada, Matt Canada is no longer the excuse for Kenny Pickett. Who else no longer has an excuse? And you're looking at, you know, going into this remaining, you know, seven games as, as, as people who, who need to be playing for jobs or playing for, for starting roles. If I were the king of the Steelers, Adam, and someone made me the king of the Steelers for the rest of the season, here are the moves that need to make. Jalen Warren becomes the starting running back and gets more carries than, than Najee Harris. Uh, Broderick Jones moves to left tackle. Dan Moore gets on with his life's work. You know, he's the swing tackle for the rest of the year, and Chooks becomes the right tackle again. I think I think we've seen enough of Dan Moore now. You know, I know why, uh, you know, they, they they probably thought that he was a better of the two, and they didn't want to upset two positions, but 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 Chooks is better than Dan Moore. So I would put Chooks back in, put that, put uh, put Broderick Jones at ta- left tackle. Tight end one would become Darnell Washington because I don't know what exactly Pat Fryermuth does anymore. Um, he can't block and he never catches any passes. So why not put the big, you know, moose there that is actually a good blocker in and go from there. Use Patrick up, uh, use that, use Fryermuth as like a slot receiver type thing, you know, um, and, and move Allen Robinson down the chain a little bit. That's what I would probably do. Um, that, that's what I would do to change the offense. And I would also, um, uh, this two headed coordinator thing is silly. You know, if, 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 
if Faulkner is the coordinator, let him just call the plays. If he isn't, then let the other guy be the coordinator and move on. So those are the changes I would make. But when you ask me who there are no more excuses for, how about Mike Tomlin? I mean, first of all, I didn't consider Matt Canada to be an excuse or at least one that was valid because who the hell hired him? Who the hell kept him around for two and a half years? So I, I don't, I don't get, but if you're going to give it, you know, we've heard a lot of people, it's amazing how it works, Adam, you know, when the Steelers were doing well or whatever, and they went, well, Tomlin's the greatest, right? And then they start, they start losing. It's, oh, well, you know, it's uh, uh, Todd Haley socks, Fickner socks, you know, Matt Canada socks, this and that. Well, no, 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 it's not how it works. Your name is at the top. The buck stops with you. So at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, they don't want a playoff game this year. Guess what? That's on Mike Tomlin. I don't want to hear about Matt Canada, the offense, can he pick it, this, that, and the other thing, because everything that has happened in that building, right, with respect to the offense, Mike Tomlin either made that decision or signed off on it. And so now there's no more fall guy. Nobody's going to, you know, three weeks from now, nobody's going to be saying, you know, Faulkner sucks because – it, uh, well, he's an interim guy. We're going to get rid of him. Nobody's going to be saying, you know, Mike Sullivan is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But it, from now to the end of the season, it's on Mike Tomlin. And my my, my, my gut tells me he's going to have a lot to do with the play calling, that he's going to have a heavy influence on the offense just like he does with the defense. So if you ask me who, I mean, Kenny Pickett, absolutely no more excuses, but guess what? There's no more fall guy. There's no more guy that, you know, hey, the reason we stick is that guy over there or that guy over there. Nope. You know what? Was it was it Eisenhower who said the buck stops here? I think it was Eisenhower. Maybe it was Truman. I, one of those two uh, presidents from that era, uh, one of them said the buck stops here. Well, guess what? The buck stops with Mike Tomlin now. No more excuses. Right? That's the way it goes. Yeah, and you don't have, I mean, you don't have uh, Ben Roethlisberger's ego in there to blame either. I mean, I was definitely one of those people who said at the end of Ben's career, I thought he was wielding too much influence for the player that he was, but Ben's not there anymore either. And and, and as much as some people might like to take shots at him, you know, I, I would I would put that on that list and I'd say, yes, you're Mike Tomlin. You own this now in a way that you never have before. And and so that should, you should be facing more scrutiny and you, you've never really had more power than you have in the organization so, so that's part of the equation as well. Um, Paul, any, make anything of this, uh, the reports. Uh, our po- the Post-Gazette, Jerry Dulac, reported that it was Art Rooney who made the decision. Mike Tomlin was out there on Tuesday saying, I made the decision. You, you read anything into that in terms of the palace intrigue? Uh, I would tell you this. Everything that I know and the reporting that I've done personally and the people that I've talked to personally – I'm convinced 110% that Art Rooney made the call and not Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin actually had to do the the dirty work of firing him, however. So technically, he's not lying when he says, I did this. But uh, it wasn't his his doing from that standpoint. The one thing the Steelers front office has always done, however, is made or at least tried to portray the fact that their coach is in charge, right? That the coach, that they don't step on his toes, 
you know, that they don't, you know, force things on them. Even when we know they have in the past, Todd Haley coming to mind, you know, things like that. Um, the bottom line is they will always try and put a front on like, hey, we, uh, you know, our coach is in charge and we let him do his thing and we let him make his own decisions and he's own, his own man. Well, we know that's not necessarily true. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic unfolds moving forward. Paul, we're going to get into some college topics here, maybe a little bit of rapid fire here to wrap up the show. Before we do, just want to thank a couple more sponsors. Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propels 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County, provide solid academic foundations for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, Paul, I, I asked you this before we hopped, you hit record here. Um, but how is it that, that Frank Signetti is the only offensive coordinator of these local teams that hasn't gotten canned yet? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's one thing, if you're Penn State or the Steelers, you're trying to salvage your season, right? Not that Penn State, I mean, is salvaging a playoff berth, but they still can play in a New York New, New Year's Six game and things of the such. So their their view is, hey, we got to make a change so we can win, you know, win, keep, you know, win some of these games and, and get started on next year. Steelers, same thing. You know, it was kind of like uh, – you know, they're six and four still. They're in a playoff position. So we got to do something to salvage and make sure that we give ourselves a chance for the rest of the season. With Pitt, if they were going to fire their offensive coordinator, it would have made sense earlier in the season. But with three or four weeks left in a lost season where you're playing for zero or nothing, I, it makes really no sense to fire anybody. Uh, even, you know, unless you're going to fire the head coach, I guess. But they're not going to do that. I mean, he's got a contract through 2030 or whatever. Um, I'll be very, very surprised that Frank Zinetti is back. But I think they just made the decision that just it's a lost season. Let's just get through it, get over it, get done with it, move forward. Uh, because they're not playing for anybody, anything and haven't been really for a few weeks. Uh, I guess the time when they got to like, what was it, two and five? If they were going to do it, that would have been the week to do it. You're two and five, still can salvage a bowl game and things of the such. But, you know, they had quarterback issues. They had all kinds of things going on. And I think they just decided, you know what? This season's not going anywhere. So we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it at the end of the season. Can you remember a year like this, Paul, where, I mean, I, I think we both agree that Frank Signetti's probably, you know, at the top of the list of people who are going to be the fall guy here in a, in a week or so. Um, so that would mean the Steelers' offensive coordinator gets fired, Penn State's offensive coordinator gets fired, Pitt's offensive coordinator gets fired in the span of about a month. Have we ever seen this kind of broad ineptitude against <laughs> all the local football teams? I can't remember anything. No, no, I really can't. I mean, it's it's amazing how bad that all three of the offenses have been. And my thing is, you know, is it the offenses and the offensive coordinator? Or is it just we got really three bad quarterbacks? or at least bad quarterback play at all three spots. 
maybe again that's an indictment of the of the coordinators or the people that are developing them. But Drew Alar is very disappointing. I thought he was going to be so much better than he is. Uh, you know, the, the, the three-headed monster that played for Pitt, um, you know, has been a disaster. And, of course, Kenny Pickett has been not nearly as good as he needs to be. So uh, I know Pitt fans are all excited now because they got Nate Yarnell, but I, I would tell them to go back about five weeks, whatever, whatever, and look at their comments after Nate Vayer or whatever his name is, not uh, Christian Vayer after he, you know, beat Louisville. You know, they were saying all the same things. And, you know, four weeks later, they're running them back to Canada. So to me, I look at it and basically say, I can't remember the last time when all three teams were were really, really bad at, at, at playing offense, and mostly because they were really bad at the most important position. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I wonder, I wonder, Paul, where where the head coaches as a block, you know, where the blame falls on those guys, because what do they all have in common? They have all been here for a long period of time, and it's it's just you you wonder if some bad and, ideas start to get entrenched. And all three of them have far more job security than just about everybody else in their profession. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and, and and you wonder how much that seeps in, and, and you wonder. Uh, that's why I don't like those bad ideas. That's why I don't like those ten-year deals. I mean, with the Steelers, it doesn't matter if it's a one-year deal or a ten-year deal because they're just never going to fire their coach. That's just how they do things. But the ten-year, the, the law. What what what's? I mean, Franklin is signed through like thirty-two or thirty-one or thirty-two, right? Something like that. Yeah. Narduzzi is through thirty, I think. Well, it, you know. You don't have nearly the incentive, I think, to continue to try and, and push as hard as you can push. And I'm not saying that they're getting lazy, but my point is you get complacent at times. And so I, I feel like that's a that's a I don't like those real long deals for, for for coaches. I think that, you know, keeping their feet to the fire a little bit. I, I mean, I'll go way outside the box for, a, I think, a great example. How about John Calipari? I mean, when was the last time Kentucky was really Kentucky? He does the oh, same wow. thing every single year. Gets just enough, you know, talented guys that they're able to win just enough to get to the NCAA tournament. But that's not Kentucky. You know what I mean? If he was doing that at, I don't know, Virginia Tech or somewhere like that, it'd be different. But he's at Kentucky. But he's got a lifetime deal. He can do whatever he wants to do. And they pay him like $12, $13 million a year. And they're on the hook for like, you know, whatever, however long he wants to be there. I, I think that's the wrong approach. To me, everybody needs to know that they're out accountable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's an interesting, you know, kind of through thread to, to kind of tie all those together. Um, Paul, I want to talk a little bit about the national picture in college football with you here. Um Obviously, the big game of the weekend is Michigan Ohio State. I'll start there. Do you have any thoughts on that game and, and how you know you expect it to unfold and, and impact the national race? Well, I know probably everybody in the Big Ten, the Big Ten front office, and the NCAA are rooting vehemently for Ohio State. Not just to win, but to win, you know, going away. So that Michigan goes out of the picture. <coughs> we'll put you in a we'll put you in a New Year's Six bowl game. There's not nearly as much scrutiny for that. My guess is 
that Jim Harbaugh will be in the NFL next year. And I think that if they put him in a New York Six bowl game, it won't shock me if he doesn't coach the bowl game. That if he, you know what I mean? Um, but I feel like it's 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 a divorce that has to happen. Um, Michigan is gonna do everything in their power to try and salvage, you know, and not have to go on probation and all the other stuff. And, you know, they're but I also think that Jim Harbaugh probably is at a point where, you know, it's time. You know, he's, he's sort of danced through the raindrops. Um, so that being said, I don't know that Ryan Day, I don't know that Ryan Day is that guy. I mean, he's got a great record, and I think he's a guy that, you know, is, is, is obviously really, really good. But when it comes to winning a game like this, I have to see it. I think Michigan, I've watched them both. I think Michigan is better. But, but, without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, it's at Ohio State, I'm pretty sure. Right? No, it's at Michigan. It's at oh, it's game. at Michigan. Yeah. Wow. I think Michigan's going to win it. I thought it was at Ohio. I was going to give all these factors, but I thought it was at Ohio State. But if it's at Michigan, um, and if Michigan wins, I think Ohio State, you know, again, they're going to probably try and do everything in their power to get two SECs or two Big Tens in the playoff. But at the end of the day, if Florida State goes undefeated and Washington goes undefeated, right, the SEC champ, to be honest, the only thing you really, at that point, you, I think it would be a crime if Florida State goes 13-0, and Right, wins their conference championship, and and to do that, they're going to have to beat a Louisville team that I think is in the top ten. You've got, you know, they 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 did actually beat they beat LSU in Florida, so they beat two SEC teams. Uh, I know there's not a ton of heavy lifting in the ACC, but the bottom line is it's a power conference, and you they played two good games outside of the conference, and 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 then they also won the uh, conference championship over a ranked opponent. It'd be a crime if you go thirteen and zero against that schedule, and, and and given that profile, and you're and you're left out for a team that has a loss, that would be a problem. Uh, Washington, same thing. They're undefeated, aren't they? I think I'm pretty sure they're undefeated, aren't they? I know they beat Oregon. Yes, they're yeah. undefeated, right? Yeah, they're just probably going to have to get through Oregon again, and we remember what that game was the first time. Right. I'm just saying, if they win, now you've got two wins over Oregon. I just I, here's the thing. The best case scenario for a college football in general is that Ohio State wins, and then obviously they'll beat who it is it Iowa they're going to play probably in the other side in the in championship uh-huh. game. Ohio State wins. Uh, Washington wins. Florida State wins, and Georgia wins. And if that happens, then you've got the you know the field. It becomes chaos if Alabama beats Georgia. Right, and uh, Florida State wins, and Washington wins, or better yet, Oregon wins. So now you've got two one-loss teams there, and Ohio State wins, and then really the the, the real chaos would be Ohio State wins and then loses to Iowa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like now you've got like a bunch of teams that have got one loss, and I, I don't know. But I just think honestly, if I look nationally. Um, Michigan's one of the best teams I've seen. Alabama's one of the best teams I've seen. Georgia's one of the best teams I've seen. 
I actually think Oregon is probably the next best team out of the group, but they have a loss. Yeah, I got. Um, I think I got Michigan in this game this weekend too, Paul. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player on the field for Ohio State. Then I think maybe the next five players might be Michigan guys. Um, that backfield, they've got some decent receivers. I think J.J. McCarthy's just just got it in a way that the Kyle McCord won't in, in a game of this magnitude. So um, I'm going with Michigan there. And then I'm rooting for chaos. Uh, I want to see – I want to yeah. see all these scenarios we're talking about because I honestly, Paul, this has been a little bit of a chalky season. I think it's been a little bit boring on, on a national level. I would like to see some real chaos just burst forth here in the last couple of weeks. Um, well, the thing we about it is the thing about it is it's the last season where we will probably have a chance at chaos. If you think about it, yeah, the, they'll, you know, they'll go to 12 teams next year. You know, there'll be some chaos, but, you know, arguing between who's 12 and 13 is a lot different than arguing between who's four and five. I'll tell you this, Paul. I, I think I think the, the teams – I think there's going to be quite a lot of quibbling over getting that by. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that do not want to fall into, like, a first-round matchup. Um, I, I think that will probably maintain some – it won't be the same as it's been, um, but I think that will maintain some of the intrigue of, like, you know, we, we're still going to have to talk about the top four at the end. And those are still going to be the teams that have the best chance to win. And, and I think the difference between four and five is, is still going to be a rip-roaring debate. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just saying, like, everyone's going to get in. Everyone's going to be excited. It, it, it's going to be fun. The other thing that's really kind of weird now, though, is the Big Ten going to non-divisions? Yes. So theoretically, if this were next year, this game Saturday would be irrelevant because they would be meeting again next week in the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah, theoretically, I think it's just going to be more difficult to, um, you know, set it up every year. That I We've always talked about Michigan and Ohio State when they were on opposite ends because, remember, they were in different different divisions yeah. for a while. Never worked out. Um, we always talked about it as a disaster scenario. But, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds just because the schedules are going to be so unbalanced. I mean, the way they've done this where, like, Iowa gets to play three of the same teams every year, but Penn State has no annual opponent that's the same. Um, I think it's going to produce some maybe maybe as many wacky Big Ten title game entrances as it did before because if you can dodge Ohio State and Michigan, you yeah. know, you could, you, could make a, you could make an undefeated run because you don't have to go through either one of those teams. Right. No, that's the big thing. Um, I don't like getting rid of divisions. I just don't. I think that, you know, winning your division, uh, but more importantly, I think for what we're talking about here, you know, okay. So if you don't play Ohio state and Michigan and I do, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you could probably put together a schedule, and I'd have to look at all their schedules to see if anyone's doing this. But what if you have to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State? You know, or you have to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa, or you get to play Northwestern, Indiana, and Purdue, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios. But to me, I, I, I don't like I don't like the non-division thing. I think the ACC did it, and this year it worked out because Louisville and Florida State did not play each other, and you know, what's interesting is both are uh, Atlantic division teams, you know, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I love it because I look at some of the teams that play tougher schedules in the, in the conference 
And I'm saying, well, if they played that schedule, where would they be? Yeah, I think a lot of Penn State fans are excited for it to be over, Paul, because now you you don't have to beat you know one of these Michigan Ohio State teams every year. Remember, it wasn't even Michigan that was a huge problem for them, but then Michigan State would beat them. Yes. 2017. That was probably the best Penn State team James Franklin's had was 2017, um, and and that they get beat by Michigan State on the road because of the division format. So um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how it, it plays out. Paul, any final thoughts here on this? Uh, on this gray Thanksgiving, uh, anything you're thankful for? Thankful. Uh, I'm just thankful for good health. That's for sure. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for, uh, good health, uh, good family, all that good stuff. Right. I mean, there's not a whole lot to complain about. So, uh, uh, I would say I'm thankful that my Florida state Seminoles are making a run, but of course, <laughs> Saturday, the, Hey, uh, they 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 had a really big monkey wrench thrown in there when their quarterback went down. So I don't know if if uh, if, if they're still going to be making a run over the next two weeks. No, you, you, any, anything can happen, Paul. And I I think they'll be an interesting team in the mix if they can get to undefeated. I think that'll be a, that'll be a real litmus test of how this this playoff committee is going to operate moving forward. Of a team that has the resume but maybe doesn't have the, the current constitution that the people think a playoff team should have. So I think it's going to be a real um, you know, interesting, you know, calculus for them to figure out. But Paul, thanks for stopping by. Um, everyone, please stay tuned to the Post Because It's Worse Now YouTube channel. We'll have um, plenty more on on the Steelers' uh, offensive coordinator situation. Christopher Carter on, will be back on the North Shore Drive Friday and Saturday to get you ready for Steelers-Bengals. Um, Paul and I will be back Sunday after the Steelers-Bengals game. We'll be here live. Um, so make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you like this video if you enjoyed us. Help, it out, help us out in the YouTube algorithm, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.